You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio with uh, guest co-host today, Graham Williams. We are actually broadcasting live out of Toronto uh, this uh, weekend. We're out here uh, traveling. Uh, We've got a great show for you today, so you'll want to stay tuned. Later on in the program, we will be talking about the dark web and some of the illegal marketplaces that exist there where you can buy everything from body parts to guns to drugs and have them shipped directly to you. We'll learn about what that's all about and uh, what the police are doing about uh, shutting down some of these uh, market uh, places. We'll also be talking uh, with uh, a guest from Woman in Tech. They've uh, recently uh, run a successful Kickstarter campaign to help uh, research and and find out how to help women in technology better. And uh, we'll also be talking with uh, my good friend Mark Salzman about smartphone security. I know uh, many of us uh, are uh, concerned about and and look after our computers and laptops, but did you know that you have to do the same thing with your smartphone as well? Mark will uh, give us uh, the lowdown on that and some of the tips uh, that you can do to protect yourself. Uh, We'll also be talking about uh, Instagram when it comes to restaurants. Restaurants are actually... uh, really concerned about this and uh, kind of building their restaurants around being Instagrammable. What does that mean? Well, we'll give you uh, some details on that. Uh, And Graham, uh, thanks for joining me today. Always glad to be here. So we've seen uh, some big success with retro video games lately. I don't know if you remember the uh, NES Classic last Christmas. This was like a little mini Nintendo uh, NES Classic uh, that uh, was available back in the, I think, 90s, was it? That was back in the 80s. 80s, that, that oh my God. That was in like 84, 85. So these things went on sale for, I think, you know, roughly 80 to to $100. Uh, had uh, how many games on it? There was 30 games on there. Like Donkey Kong and, and all that kind all of... All the Mario Brothers, oh my uh, God. Legend of Zelda, yeah. And could you get one? No. They sold out at Christmas time and unavailable. Yeah, six months we were trying to get them. And it kind of carried through to March, April, May, and then Nintendo comes out and says, oh, by the way... It's discontinued. So they've recently announced uh, the SNES Classic, uh, which is the next uh, video game they came out with after that. And uh, that will be going on sale soon. That's going on sale. It's going to be about $80 Canadian, roughly. um, And it's going to have 32 games. The big thing on this one is that it's actually launching with a game that was never released back in the 90s, a game called Star Fox 2. It was almost teacher complete, and they canceled it. Basically like one of these things that, you know, if Disney had a film and put it back in the vault before releasing it, that's kind of what this is like for video gamers. And they're going to have limited supplies of this thing too, right? <laughs> I, I can only imagine the frenzy because the NES is a, is a great system. It was, it was huge. A lot of people loved it. But the Super Nintendo, it, it reached an even larger audience. So I think this is going to be very big. I've heard it's uh, gone on pre-sale down in the States. Walmart.com uh, had a few pre-sale orders available. There are a lot of people looking for these pre-sales right now. So Walmart tried this yesterday, and they had an initial pre-sale order, and it sold out in less than 15 minutes. <sighs> so we're not going to get our hands on one. Did you get your hands on the NES Classic? I didn't. It's actually really still a sore spot for me. I thought, you know, I'm going to wait until the pre-orders sort of get through and people can get theirs. And when I can walk into a store and buy it, I'll get it. And of course, right after I think this, Nintendo goes ahead and says, by the way, it was seasonal, it's discontinued, and now you can't get one at all. What uh, Do you know what games are going to be on this besides Star Fox 2? So we've got all of the, we've got Super Mario World, um, we've got, uh, I think, one of the Secret of Mana games, uh, there is The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past, which I consider to be one of the best video games of all time. There's a ton of really good stuff. Uh, F-Zero is going to be on there, a racing game. I remember uh, that one. Mario Kart. Mario Kart, that's yeah. that's a classic. They're, they're uh, hitting, as well. all, hitting all the nice notes on this one. So talking about kind of retro video games, uh, 
Atari, remember Atari? I had an Atari 2600, you know, with the wood grain finish and the Atari joysticks. Uh, just the most amazing technology when it came back out in the 70s, right? Yeah. Uh, was one of the uh, the first kind of console video games where you could put cartridges and, and play different games. Uh, you know, combat, adventure. Eventually they had Pac-Man on there as well. A weird kind of Pac-Man, but uh, Asteroids. This thing was huge. And now uh, it looks like Atari, uh, which has been bought and sold a number of times and I don't even know what kind of incarnation they are now. Uh, they've announced the Atari box. Yes. So this is another classic system that uh, is basically going to have a whole bunch of games on it, but will also be able to play different games as well. So the thing with the, S- the NES Classic and the SNES Classic, they were locked, right? So they, g- they came with the games on them, and that was it. But Atari is saying now that they're going to have this system that will come with a series of games, but you can download other stuff as well. And so is it? Do you, do you have any more news about it? Like, is it just retro games? So they're saying it's going to launch with a bunch of the retro classics. So we've got everything from Pong to Adventure to Pac-Man to Qbert. But they're also saying that there will be new titles available for it. But we don't have a ton of information about that right now. The question is, are they going to be launching like new AAA games? So something that you'd see on like an Xbox or a PlayStation. My hope here, and we don't really know yet, but my hope here is that they actually take those retro games and give us a new spin on that. I think that would be really cool. So you'd have the retro game and then kind of an updated version of that. Yeah, I'd love to play sort of an adventure the next generation. would be really fun, I think. Uh, I've seen there's two different versions so far. They've got one that's kind of got the wood grain finish, kind of like the old Atari, uh, and kind of a sleeker new version design as well i think there's only one way to go here wood grain or bust oh my god yes yeah absolutely would would you get one absolutely without hesitation (laughs) i still got my 2600 at home do you yeah does it work it does i had to solder a new power supply for it but that thing she goes uh i still have my atari 400 computer do you remember the computer they came out with with the membrane keyboard Uh, i think it's sitting in our studio uh right now i put it up on the shelf we should uh, fire that up i have to find the power supply for it but that was amazing like you could program on there and the games were fantastic as well the problem is uh you had to save everything to a cassette tape do you remember that i do so there was no disk drives for this or hard drives hard drives were like expensive things that would only exist in like huge corporations so you would sit there and program like you could actually program basic programs or games Uh, i used to buy the atari magazines and so in these magazines literally 10 pages of the magazine is like programming code so you could sit there and just basically enter that 10 pages of code into the computer. Hope to God you didn't get any of the lines wrong. Like even one character off and it wouldn't work. And then after you finished, you hope to God it would actually save to the cassette tape. It was like a five-minute process to save it to the cassette tape. You basically uh, put a cassette in and hit record and it would save. And you hope to God it would save. And I mean, at that point, really, you're kind of hoping that you got the right cassette tape, because if you've got your copy of Bad by Michael Jackson, you've just recorded over that. I'm sure the game was fun, but you'd be disappointed. Instagram, I don't know if you saw this article in uh, The Verge, uh, very good article about how these restaurants, especially down in uh, like San Francisco and New York, uh, when they're designing a new restaurant, uh, they're trying to make it Instagrammable. And so, you know, we look in restaurants now, people are on their phones, they're taking pictures of their food, friends, if it's kind of a neat decor in there, they're taking pictures of that. Well, now restaurant owners are recognizing the marketing capability of Instagram because people are posting this on their social networks, reaching hundreds, if not thousands, uh, especially if people start sharing it. They recognize that if they can have a cool looking restaurant uh, with, you know, cool walls or tables or coasters and menus and wallpaper, uh, people will take pictures of that and post it. Is this a bad thing? 
Well, I go to restaurants to eat and, you know, like talk to people. Do you? I, I I like beautiful things. I mean, I, I think the quote is, I'm not shallow, I'm just visual. I, I can't see a problem with things being more attractive. I mean, if we're going into restaurants and they're they're prettier, they're better lit, what, what's wrong with that? You've got beautiful memories now that you're sharing on Instagram. Is this, an, is, this is good, right? Yeah, there's a restaurant down in San Francisco, apparently. I think it's called Digital Nosh. And uh, they find that people spend, on average, about 10 minutes in the restaurant taking photographs before they even get to ordering food. See, like 10 minutes of taking pictures. See, now, now I'm good with that because I, I love good presentation on food. But my big thing is uh, plates because my problem, <laughs> I, I've noticed this trend that we're, we're serving food on really weird things now, right? Like, like what? Like, like terracotta pots for fries or, you know, I saw a burger on a shovel, uh, you know, things coming in trowels. I'm not really sure what happened. I feel bad for the, the cutlery industry. At this but point. that's that's Instagrammable. See what they're doing there? It, it truly is, but yeah. it's just I'm kind of looking at it going, you know, if I'm if I make plates right now, I'm kind of looking around at Instagram and going, you're kind of killing me here. But that would be very Instagrammable. Like people would like eat that, eat that up. See what I did there? I, I, I like. Yeah. So would you eat off a shovel? I, if if it was clean, <laughs> if it, well, but I, you know, how do you know if it's a clean shovel? You you have to ask for that. Really, can I, can I have the clean shovel, please? We're going to have to take a break. We have a lot more to talk about on today's program. You're going to be hearing a lot about the dark web in the news. Uh, Again, there's some marketplaces that are being shut down. Marketplaces where you can buy guns and drugs and have it delivered right to your home. Uh, What are the police doing about it? Well, we'll give you the lowdown on that. Uh, Coming up after the break here, how to protect your smartphone from being hacked and used against you. we got Mark Salzman on the line. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and Graham here in studio today. we still got lots of tech to talk in the program. Later on, the dark web. What is the dark web? And what are these crazy marketplaces uh, where you can buy guns and drugs and all sorts of illegal things? Well, we'll give you the lowdown on that and what the police are doing to shut it down. We'll also be talking women in tech Got a great guest uh, on the line to talk about uh, women in technology in Canada and North America and what they're doing to help uh, promote uh, science and technology uh, to women. On the line right now, we've uh, got my good friend, Mark Salzman. Mark, how are you? Hey, Mike. I'm great. Nice to chat with you guys. Always a pleasure to have you uh, on the program. I wanted to talk to you today about uh, security and uh, especially when it comes to uh, smartphones. Uh, I, you know, I know we think a lot about security for like laptops and computers, but it is something that we need to be concerned about for our little pocket computers. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And as you know, a smartphone is, is, is your computer today, really. I mean, sure, we still have desktops and laptops, but this is the one device that we look at about 200 times a day. We don't leave it uh, anywhere. So we do need to protect it because increasingly it is a target to uh, cyber thieves, for example. So yeah, a few tips to share with you and your listeners. Number one, lock it with a pin, a passcode, a pattern, or your fingerprint. 65% of Canadians do that, but that means one third of us don't even lock our phones. And if somebody finds it, then they can have access to all of your data. So it it surprised me when I read that stat. And the the number one reason why people don't lock their phones is because they don't like having to tap in a a phone number or use their thumb uh, to verify (laughs) them every single time they want to look at their phone 200 times a day. Well, the the thumb is pretty hard. Yeah, I know, right? really. Like, how lazy can we get? Why do I have to put my thumb on this home <laughs> button? I know, but that was, uh, you know, maybe that had to do more with a passcode, and I get that. But a lot of people don't know that with Android, if you're in a what, what's called a trusted environment, like let's say your home, you could set it so you don't need a passcode. You just have to just pick up the phone, and then it'll work. So, I, did, I didn't know uh, that. I've got an yeah. iPhone. They don't have that. 
They do not have that, but they do have the Touch ID, as you know, and it may be going to the back of the iPhone this fall, but we'll see about that. The second thing you should be careful of is the apps that you download, and this is less of an issue with iPhone, but more for Android. Uh, there are a lot of phony, like fake apps out there that make you think it's one thing, but in fact, it's malware, malicious software. So never be the first to download an app from Google Play or from another store. Um, make sure there's at least a few thousand downloads and look at the comments see what people are saying about it. Be cautious about what uh, permissions you're giving this app. If it's a game, why do they need access to your contacts list? You know, stuff like that. So just be app savvy, as I call it. Just be, be aware that there's some, you might think you're downloading a new filter for Snapchat when in fact it's, um, you know, some, something else altogether. Well, this is a bigger problem on Android. I know iPhone, uh, they kind of lock their store down a little more than Google Play. Uh, is Google taking any steps to crack down on that? They have been more vigilant over the years uh, in, in catching these apps. At one point, they would allow an app to be called, you know, Super Mario. <laughs> like, yeah. it had nothing to do with Nintendo. <laughs> they would allow it. It was like the wild, wild west, while, uh, while Apple is more of what they call a walled garden approach. Um, so it, Google has gotten better about it, but they still let you download apps from other stores. So just be cautious about that. And on that note, if you do have an Android, make sure you're running anti-malware, again, antivirus, uh, anything like that. You may think it's only for your computers, but now that there are you know billions of smartphones out there, with Android being the number one operating system worldwide, of course, that you are increasingly a target. And they can lock your phone down. There's ransomware uh, and extort money from you to unlock it. There's phishing attacks. So use anti-malware for sure if you're on Android. My favorite is called ESET in, uh, Security, ESET Mobile Security, E-S-E-T. They're not as well-known in North America yet, but a great company. And uh, what they'll do is that they'll flag, quarantine, delete, and report any threats that come into your phone. Well, you know, that's important because, like, everything is in my phone, for example. Like, all my contacts, my business uh, numbers, I'm doing my banking through there. So uh, if there is any malware or, or viruses that would get on uh, on the phone, that would be devastating, really. Like, they could get access to so much information. Exactly. And they don't even need to be there. Like, earlier in our chat, we talked about losing your phone, and without a PIN or passcode, someone can have access to it. But they need that phone there physically. But these uh, scammers are finding all kinds of ways to get into our phone. They're preying on those who are more naive. We get a text message that looks legit. So you, you type in your personal information. Uh, they're, they're looking better and better, by the way, like with like authentic logos and, and websites that look like the real deal that looks like it's from your bank. Just know that your bank, your ISP, your favorite online store is not going to reach out to you in this manner and, and urgently ask you to verify your information. It just, it, it's gonna, just, if it doesn't pass the gut test, then, uh, then definitely just hit delete. Don't even write back, by the way, because all you're doing is verifying, even if you want to tell them off. All you're doing is uh, graduating your name to an even better list for these uh, hackers out there. Uh, I, I guess it just comes down to common sense, too, really. Yes and no. So, yeah, again, some of these people are very good at what they do, and they can really make it sound like or look like it's legit. Uh, but you, even, you even may get a phone call. Uh, some of your listeners have, may have experienced a call where uh, on their cell phone they answer it and they say, hey, I'm from your IT department. We detected a problem. I need to walk you through that. They, they don't have thick accents as much as they used to. Their grammar and English is very good. So you may be duped into giving out your personal information. So they're even trying to reach you in an old school way. So, yes, common sense prevails, of course, when in 
send out software, good software, like what I was talking about earlier from ESET, that will screen anything coming in or going out of your phone just in case. It also protects your, your memory card if you do have an Android with external memory, and it, it's, it just combs through all of those files to make sure there's nothing there that, is, uh, that, that shouldn't be there. Well, it's so important for Android. Uh, you're saying they're the dominant uh, smartphone uh, operating system. I think there's more than 80% market share in the world now, isn't it? Right. So in Canada, iPhone is number one. Same with the U.S., but uh, right behind it is Samsung and all the rest of them, LG, Sony, Huawei, you know, HTC, and so on. And worldwide, you're right. Uh, I believe it's closer to 88% wow. of all smartphones are running Android now. So that makes them more of a target. And just inherently, the, the code itself is more vulnerable to attacks than Apple. You know, I, I may not be an iPhone user, but I got to tip my hat at, at uh, Tim Cook and company because they do make a pretty darn secure phone. It's not foolproof. And again, common sense can, can even that can get away. Even if you apply common sense, if you have, uh, you know, even good software isn't going to help you if you make a mistake because you, you believe uh, a phishing attempt, right? So, uh, yeah, Android, watch out. There's a lot of scammers out there, for sure. Mark, we got about half a minute left here. Uh, what's the name of that uh, software again? Yeah, thanks. So ESET is the name of the company, E-S-E-T. It's a free download for Android. And, of course, they do protect your, your desktops and laptops as well. I've used all kinds over the years. That's, that's what I use. They're a great company. Uh, ESET, uh, Internet or Mobile Security, and it's, you can find it at the Google Play Store, for sure. And, Mark, uh, where can people find out more information about you? Thanks, Mike. If your listeners are on Twitter, I'm at Mark underscore Saltzman. That's Mark with a C. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking about women in tech and also the dark web. What is it and why you should be concerned about it? Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Got my guest co-host today, Graham Williams. We are broadcasting live from Toronto today. Had a great show so far. We're still uh, going to be talking about the dark web coming up and, of course, App of the Week want to switch gears right now and talk women in tech. On the line, we have our guest. Uh, her name is uh, Alana Yugai. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Mike. Good morning, Graham. Thank you for having me. Uh, wanted to talk about women in technology, and uh, you guys have also just uh, recently ran a successful Kickstarter campaign to fund a community-based research uh, a tour across Canada in September and October of this year. Uh, start first by uh, telling uh, our listeners about uh, your organization, Women in Tech. Sure. Uh, well, Women in Tech is a volunteer organization. We're based here in Vancouver. Uh, we have over 140 volunteers. Um, um, last year, we ran uh, about 22 events um, in Canada and the United States. And we realized when running these events that there's actually a huge demand. There's also inconsistent um, knowledge uh, around what the resources are for women across different communities in Canada. So driving WinTech is really the result um, of the incredible support and uh, demand that we received from across the country and people asking us how they can start their own uh, chapters, um, what resources are available, and so on and so forth. Um, we're very proud to have given away over $50,000 in tech scholarships over the last 12 months and kind of hoping to uh, ramp up our involvement across the country. I, I think it's important, you know, you look at uh, mm -hmm. schooling and, uh, you know, a lot of girls in schools, and I've seen some stats here, uh, you know, uh, girls in middle school, uh, you know, 74% of them are interested in, uh, you know, STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, but when they get to high school, uh, it just drops off radically. I, I think one stat mm -hmm. I saw, only 0.4% of uh, girls are interested in, in uh, you know, majoring in computer science, uh, for example. So is the goal of your organization to help women uh, engage more in, uh, in technologies? Absolutely. It's one of our goals. Um, 
after we come back, um, after we come back from the tour, we're going to produce a national report uh, that we will present to provincial and federal government. But we also want to create a set of playbooks and regional recommendations. So we recognize that, you know, being in Vancouver, we're in a very special place. Um, the community has, here has been extraordinarily supportive. Um, but we hear anecdotal evidence of a very diverse experience that uh, women have across the country. So, yeah, so our goal is to engage women, but also to engage the entire community and all the stakeholders whose work has an impact um, and could potentially allow more women to have not just successful, but really enjoyable careers in technology. Well, you're, you're talking about the, the tour here. Uh, you, you ran a Kickstarter mm-hmm. campaign to actually fund this. Yes, um, we ran the Kickstarter. We are so lucky. We got support from individuals and tech startups and nonprofits from the entire country. Um, we're very proud. Um, we actually exceeded our goal, um, but we're still looking for partners across the country. So if anyone is listening and if you want us to come to your community, we still have a few spots available. So uh, check out our website, drivingwomenintech.com. Let us know if you want us to come. Let us know, um, you know if you can connect us or introduce us to someone in your community who we absolutely have to talk to. And is this a purely Canadian-driven uh, organization? You said you do stuff around North America. Um, we are right now based in Canada. Um, we had a few partnerships in the United States. In fact, we just closed um, a major partnership with um, uh, Status of Women and Women Investing Women that's based out of the U- United States. So we're definitely right now, most of our uh, res- uh, activities are focused in Canada, um, but the demand is kind of like pulling us um, around North America and around the world. So it's probably in the next 18 months we'll, uh, we'll take the organization global. Well, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and I'm uh, excited to have you back on, uh, you know, later on in the fall. If hopefully, you can share some of the uh, the information that you get from your tour. Would love to. Thank you for having me. And uh, again, can you give the website out uh, for people who are interested in helping out? Absolutely, uh, drivingwomenintech.com. Thanks again, uh, talking with uh, Alana Yugai uh, from Women in Tech. We still have a lot more to talk about on today's program. Later on, uh, we'll uh, be chatting about App of the Week. You'll want to stay tuned for that. It's pretty cool. And uh, next up after uh, this next commercial break, we're going to be talking about the dark web. You might hear this in the news every so often. Back a couple years ago, uh, there was this marketplace called Silk Road uh, that was uh, shut down by authorities. I think it was started by a Canadian, uh, as a matter of fact. But these marketplaces uh, still kept popping up is kind of like whack-a-mole. They've shut a few more down. Uh, There's rumors now they're going to shut the next big one down. What can you buy on there? What are the police doing about it? And should you be concerned? Stay tuned. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with uh, my guest host uh, today, Graham Williams. We are broadcasting live out of Toronto this uh, weekend. Don't forget to uh, tune into our new show uh, on Sundays, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, out of Vancouver on uh, CKNW 980. I think it's uh, available also in Calgary and Winnipeg. They never tell me these things. (laughs) But it's a one-hour show dedicated to the world of apps. So not only apps on uh, your smartphone and tablets, uh, but also things like cars and TVs now, smart TVs. There are literally millions of apps. Is there an app for that? Well, we will give you the answer. We're going to talk about all the the hottest apps that week, uh, everything from games to Uh, finance apps to productivity, uh, you know, the list is endless. There's never a shortage of apps to talk about. 
I mean, one of the things that I really love is that there are apps that kind of make your life a little bit easier. And the one for me right now for this week is is Chatbooks. Can I can I talk about Chatbooks? Sure, let's do that. Okay. So um, I was kind of going through this a little while back. My Instagram feed I've had for a couple of years, and I realized that I never really look at my own Instagram photos. And sometimes you, you want to. Typically, it's there just so when people get to know you for the first time, you meet someone new, they can go back and creep you. And in my case, see pictures of my cat dating back over five years. Yes. So uh, what I what I did was I actually started to take a look around online to see what I could do to get those pictures out of the internet and into the real world because what could happen? Your Instagram account could be deleted someday. Instagram could go away. Uh, so I found Chatbooks and this is actually kind of a really cool service because it actually generates photo books automatically. Um, photo books are really cool. Like real photos. Like real, like real okay. photos, but actually in a book form, a 60-page book. I remember photos. Right? Yes. You, you, the shoebox is full of them and albums full of them. Um, photo books are great, but a lot of people spend a lot of time you know, going through picking the right photos and getting them built. And photo books, you know, if you spend hours and hours and hours on them, it's a lot of time. Chatbooks does it automatically. So essentially, you take your pictures on your Instagram or from your iPhone photo roll or whatnot, and when you accumulate 60, it sends you a notification saying, in three days... We're going to send you a photo book of these pictures. That gives you a chance to kind of go through and say, okay, I don't want this one and I don't want that one. But it actually produces this and they show up basically like a subscription service. So every 60 pictures, you end up getting uh, a new photo book. And it does it automatically. It does it automatically, just shows up in the mail. It's a really cool little service. You install the app, log in, and it just grabs your Instagram or your iPhone favorites and uh, sends you a book. And sorry, how much? It's 13 bucks for a book and I think $3 for shipping. So 15 bucks a month. Yep. And you end up getting... And you do this. I do. Of course you do. Of course I do. Yeah. I've got some great books full of pictures of my cat. Chat books. You're a weird dude. (laughs) (laughs) I like my photos. No, but you know, we take so many photos with our phones now. And honestly, I I think in my phone I have 4,000 photos because I just haven't downloaded them off there yet. And I have like incredible amounts of memory on this phone. And they will sit there till the end of time and forgotten. Yeah. I mean, because we take so many now. And it's kind of fun because these things are they're like a little. But sorry, six can, by can six. you choose? You can choose the photos. You can, yeah, yeah. Like, and it's, it's like I said, it's because there's a lot of stupid this. photos I take. Exactly, and so you can kind of go through. Now you can actually choose like a hashtag, so you, only the photos that get hashtagged go in. So that can be kind of handy if you know this is a good one, so I'm going to do that. Uh, your iPhone favorites is also a good one to do because again, you just go through and you pick those specifically. But if you want something fairly automatic or even like almost a stream of consciousness of your visual life, that's kind of a cool way to do it, I think. Maybe. Yeah. a lot of pictures of food from restaurants we're going to have to take another break when we come back we will be talking about the dark web and all the bad things you can do there and uh, should you be concerned about this maybe stay tuned you are back with get connected mike agarbo here with graham williams today broadcasting live out of toronto the dark web We hear about this every so often in the news when they shut down one of the marketplaces. Uh, These marketplaces, Silk Road, Alpha Bay, uh, Dream Dream Market, uh, you can buy all sorts of crazy stuff. Murder for hire, weaponry, uh, illegal drugs. Uh, Graham, can you explain in simple terms what the dark web is and how do you get there? Well, so the dark web is essentially the deeply encrypted internet. Now, I say deep, but we should probably make a a distinction here. The deep web is something different than the dark web. The deep web essentially is just sections of the internet that aren't indexed by search engines. So Google, Bing, uh, they don't see these pieces. So when you search for them, you don't find them. That's the deep web. The dark web actually goes one step further and locks it behind encryption. So basically locking this up with numerically protected code so that you can't get in there unless you have the right password. 
forward. To find these things, there are essentially entry nodes, and that's sort of both a metaphor and an actual thing. Entry nodes sometimes can actually just be talking to the right person and getting the right web address, but in other cases, you're actually going through a specific server. And that server basically is almost like a gatekeeper preventing you from getting in, again, unless you've got the right information. And so what, what are, are you using your web browser to get in? Typically, it's actually going to be through your web browser, but your web browser in a lot of cases is the Tor browser. That's T-O-R. And that's a specific browser that's designed to communicate through this encrypted web. You download this thing, you have the right address, that's how you're going to, that's your entryway into the dark web. How do you get the address? Well, some, this is kind of interesting. Again, it can come through person-to-person uh, -person contact. Uh, so there's a lot of the dark web traffic that is generated through, uh, through chat rooms. Used to be through something called internet relay chat. Um, IRC. You know, IRC. Yeah. And, you know, in some cases, you will meet up with uh, with like-minded people actually in person, and they'll give you a business card with like a QR code on it, and that will have the address that you're going to. <laughs> Where do you meet these people? <laughs> well, they, they could be anywhere from hacker conventions to meeting somebody in a coffee shop and having a conversation about, you know, things that you might find on the dark web, which can include things like guns and drugs and murder for hire. But there's also some fairly innocuous stuff as well. Uh, there are actually some uh, augmented and alternate reality games that people play on the dark web, which is great because that encrypted traffic really keeps things a mystery. There's a lot of puzzles on there. And the dark web can also be used for good. Um, it can actually be used so that if you're in a country that has restricted free speech laws or if they, they are preventing you from accessing certain things, then you can use the dark web to navigate to that. So like in China where they restic restrict things like Google and Facebook and pretty well all the major websites and search engines that we know about here in the West – uh, you could use the dark web to get access to that. Exactly. Sort of the prying eyes of the government are over top of you, and the dark web is kind of like that umbrella between you and them, so you can operate without being watched. Can the, gov can, can the government, if they wanted to, find out who you are? They can, and this is actually kind of where we come to, you know, Alphanet recently, which, you know, they're saying was 10 times bigger uh, than uh, the, the last one that went down. What was it? Silk Road. The Silk Road, thank you. Um, so, you know, 10 times the trend. Silk Road was huge. Um, so essentially, Started by a Canadian. <laughs> we should be really, really proud of that one. Yes. Um, but essentially what ends up happening is uh, if the police can get access to this and they start creating sort of a circle of trust because a lot of this is done on trust, they start to look like the bad guys, so you're willing to talk to them and that's how they can start to track you down well apparently uh dutch authorities um had seized uh, one of these uh dark web uh marketplaces or stores called hansa and uh we're actually running it for a few months and just getting all that information on users and, and sellers